You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Philippians 4, 12. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Church, do not give up your ground. This has been the word from the Lord. He's given us two actionable words, two words that were specific yet simple. In the time that I've been here as your pastor, the first one was move forward. He did not care if there's an army chasing you. He does not care that there's a sea in front of you. Move forward and he will make a way where there was no way. This is what he has promised. This is his word to us. If you will move forward, if you will be faithful to move forward in obedience, I will be faithful to make a way where there was no way. And the next thing that he said was do not give up your ground. Which is really just part B of move forward. If I'm moving forward, I'm not giving up ground, I'm gaining ground. And the enemy right now has been trying to convince us to take a step back through circumstances, through chaos, through the different things he's doing. But the Lord has said, do not give up your ground because through persistence, church, through persistence comes fruit. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Church, it is a choice to stay rooted in the river of life. It is a choice Where your roots sink into. And and in this example of Psalm 1, he made a choice to be planted by streams of living water. It is a choice to stay rooted in the Lord and in his presence and his goodness to abide, to remain in. Every day, that tree chooses to stay rooted in the water, trusting fruit to come when it's time for it. And all the enemy is seeking to do, all he is seeking to do in your story, in this house, in this community, is to pull your roots from the water. To make you feel like you don't stand a chance against him, that you've got to move somewhere else because where you're at isn't going to work. He is doing anything and everything he can to make you uproot yourself. Because he knows that if you stay rooted where you are, he stands no chance. That he has lost because we are rooted in streams of living water. He is trying to get us to feel like he is everywhere. He's just being really, really, really loud. That's all he's doing through circumstances, through different things that we hear about, through uh, difficult and frustrating moments. He is just trying to get you to think he's caused all of it. But how many of us know if you walk out to a flat tire, you are not a victim of attack from the enemy. You just ran over a nail. And that is just a part of life. That's just it. Because if, if, and it's a slippery slope, and we as Christians do this, unfortunately, Randy had to teach me this a lot. Um, I remember one time, I was, it was when I was coaching at the school, we were going through two-a-days, and I was the strength and conditioning coach and a youth pastor, so all I did was talk and, and scream for like, a, I got paid to scream. 
and I got paid to hype these kids up. Hunter remembers it was a blast. We had a great time, but I would get done. My shirt would be drenched. I would go outside and I would spit blood out because my throat was raw. It wasn't a smart choice, but it was the choice I made, okay? And we had a lot of fun. And we had music really, really, really loud, so I had to scream if I was going to communicate anything. And it was just the way it was. And so what do you think at the end of those two weeks, what do you think starts happening? I start not feeling so good. I'm feeling sick. I'm feeling tired. I'm worn out. And school hadn't even started yet. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is, uh uh-oh. And I'm sitting in my car, and I'm feeling like the enemy is attacking me with illness to prevent me from doing what I'm doing. And I call Randy. I'm like, Randy, I just feel like I'm under attack. He's like, why? He's like, I'm just sick. I just can't, I can't put everything into it, what I need to put into it. He's like, how many hours have you worked in the last two weeks? I don't know, like 90? It's like, I think maybe that's it. Yeah, probably. So probably not the enemy attacking you, just life, exhaustion, things like that. But you see how easy it is? It's so easy, and that sounds silly sitting right here and saying it out in front of you, but how many of you have been in similar situations where you just feel like you can't catch a break? It just feels like there's something just coming against me. Or it's just life, right? But that is what the enemy is seeking to do. Give me credit for the things that I didn't cause so you think I'm bigger. You think that I'm stronger. You think that you don't stand a chance. This is what he's doing right now in this season, church. He isn't everywhere. So stop giving the enemy credit. You only build him up. We only build him up in our minds when we, when we give him credit for that which he did not cause, for that which is just as a part of life. Romans 8, it says, we read this, but who can stand against God's elect? This puts to rest everything I just talked about. This puts to rest his attack. This puts to rest his schemes against you. Who can stand against God's elect? No one. Who is God's elect? You are. I am. We are God's elect. No one can stand against God's elect. So don't move from that truth. If no one can stand against God's elect, who does that include? It includes Satan. Don't allow Satan to convince you to move from that truth. This is what he wants. Why? Because he knows that breakthrough is on the horizon for Sundown, Texas. Amen? Hey. First warning. I'm on, the, I'm on this step. That's it. All right? I'm not very far from you. And I'm wireless. Jay can't take that piano anywhere. I can go everywhere. He knows breakthrough is on the horizon for Sundown, Texas. Amen? Amen. How many of us want to see breakthrough? For, I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about Uh, You know, a few people start showing up to church. That's not breakthrough. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about kids. I'm talking about babies. Prophesying. Anointed. Stepping into ministry. uh, The impossibility of God flowing through them and out of them in the miraculous nature of God becoming the regular thing, a regular part of our day in Sundown, Texas. That's the breakthrough that I'm talking about. I'm talking about complete and total freedom. I'm talking about generational strongholds that have kept people in poverty, kept people low, kept people from feeling like they could rise up, that they could change their story, that they are made for more than the current situation they find themselves in. I'm talking about complete and total freedom for a complete city. Not a few of them. I'm talking about every house and everyone that lives in sundown Texas being free and stepping into the fullness of the Spirit of God. This is the breakthrough that I'm talking about. Amen? Amen. And this is what we are on the verge of seeing. 
This is, this, is, this is the horizon that is in front of us. When people exist, church, this is a fact. This is a fact that the Lord speaks. This is, this is laws of the universe. We know that there are laws in this universe that we cannot bend, that we cannot change, that we cannot shape to our own will. For every action, there is an equal and opposite what? Period. That's life. That's a law of the universe, the universe that the Lord made. And so another law that we don't pay attention to, but this is scripturally true. This is found in this book, and this is found in the nature of God. When a people exists who trust God to be who He says He is, believe they are who God says they are, a people who abide in His presence, remain and listen to His voice, and faithfully walk in obedience, there is always breakthrough. Every single time. When that exists, when a people of that nature, when a people of those characteristics exist, there is always breakthrough. Are we a people like this? That's the question. Not if breakthrough can come, not when breakthrough will come. The question is this, are we this people who trust God to be who He says He is? Believe Him when He says who I am. Are we a people that abide in His presence, listen to His voice, and faithfully walk in obedience? Are we a people who can dig our heels in, not giving up ground and continuing to move forward, not removing our roots from the river of life? If we can be a people like this, there is hope for Sundown, Texas, and there is breakthrough for its people. Amen? Go to 2 Kings this morning. That's where we'll be. Um, I, I read this passage uh, just in, in my personal study, I was just reading it, and uh, the lady I was listening to was going through this, and they were talking about something totally different. Uh, but as I was listening to this passage, the Lord just grabbed a hold of me and struck me with some things. So we're going to read uh, 2 Kings 2. We're going to read 1 through 14. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. 
And as they still went on, talked, behold, and, and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces, and he took up the cloak of Elisha that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he'd struck the water, the water was parted to one side and to the other, and Elijah went over. I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. This is just a side note. But we, in John 5, 19 through 20, when, the, when Jesus is talking about greater things, will he show you? Greater things will the Father reveal to you than he's currently revealed. we got to know this, that you can't do greater until you do the same. And what was the last thing Elisha saw Elijah do? Part the sea. And so what did he immediately start with? He started with that ground floor. That was his ground floor in, in which ministry would begin. The last thing he saw, this is profound. This is not what the Lord had to say this morning. That's just something for you. That's just extra. You got a bonus. But church, I heard this passage this week in my studying and the Lord revealed some things. The Lord said, I'm asking for you to give that which you have concern over. And let me explain that because we can go really quickly to a place that the Lord did not intend uh, for this morning. Uh, in the goodness of God, he asks for that which you are concerned to give. And that is going and the Lord has said that this will end up being the key to blessing and ushering the kingdom into your story and into this community. And what I mean by things that we're concerned to give he asks us to give things that we're concerned to give like our time, like our finances, like our energy, like our testimony, to speak boldly of the things that the Lord has done. There are people that the Lord is calling you to speak up, say what I've given you, share your story. Because when you share your testimony, what have you done? You've released the Holy Spirit to do that same work in the person receiving these words. That they could have that same work of that same miraculous transform, uh, transforming work in their stories that has taken place in you because they heard what the Lord has done and now there's a door for them to do it. He asks us of our time. He asks our finances. One of, one of the ones that's, those are, those, are two, those are the two big ones, right? Those are the two big ones that we have a hard time giving up. Our time, because we're already, we're already what? So busy. How many of you We'll see a person and ask how things are going, and that is their answer. Oh, it's good. Busy. Right? That's like, that's like the normal thing now. That, that, that is normal. I found myself doing this this week, shaking hands. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. Just busy. Like, oh, yeah, it's too busy. It's like that immediately our conversation just got shut to very small and meaningless things because we're just busy, right? I've already put a cap on how much time we're going to spend together because what? I've let the standard know we're, we're too busy for this. We're too busy, right? Anytime, if you call somebody, you need something, hey, what's going on? Hey, I'm really busy. What do you got? What, do you got? what does that mean? We got to rush through this conversation real fast and we got to get out of each other's way. So we have set ourselves up 
to pretty much guarantee that we don't fellowship at all because what? We're so busy. If you're too busy to have a conversation with someone that lasts more than five minutes, you're too busy. You have given too much of your story to things that do not matter. We had a conversation in this about this this morning in our fellowship time. How many of us remember, I mean, some more than others, uh, but remember high school and the dual credit and the, the toil and the struggle and the studying extra hard because if you don't make this grade on this test, your life as you know it is over. Everything matters right now. This one six weeks, you got to do it. You've got you've to have these credits so that you can go into college as a junior or whatever nonsense we're doing now. How many of you remember that? I don't remember that because I, I, had, a, I had a caring problem. I just didn't care. Um, but there are so many of us, I talk to these kids, and it's just they're so stressed out. And I'm like, what are you stressed out about? Well, just school. Like, Why? Are you going to graduate? Yeah. That's kind of the only thing that matters. Any job interview I've ever had, what did they ask you about high school? Did you graduate? They don't care how you did it. They just want you, they just want you to graduate. But all that to say is we give ourselves and we invest everything of our lives and all of our time into things that at the end of the day do not matter. They do not matter, but we make them so important in our stories. And what I'm saying, church, is we are really bad as children of God, as people of God. We are really bad about protecting our time. We do not guard our time very well. This is one of the things that Kendall McDonald taught me, my mentor, before I came out here. And his mentor was Randy, and we've both been mentored by Randy, which was fun. But the biggest thing he said for me as I stepped into ministry for the first time was to guard your time. And I thought it was just for my sanity. Because ministry, youth ministry, there's several of you in here that know how crazy and busy youth ministry can become if you let it. I mean, just chaos. A nonstop going. Because these kids, especially in Sundown, Texas, they just, they do everything. And I remember starting out here, I was at every basketball game. Every one of them. All four of them. Every Tuesday and Friday. Oh my gosh. And junior high on Monday and Thursday. And just lived in a basketball gym. And several of you, that's, that's all you do in the spring. It's just like, see you after basketball season. Because if I'm not there, I'm not going to see you, right? We just do this. We, 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 we spend so much time and we follow these kids and there's so much going on with these kids. Um, and so I just thought, for me personally, it was about making sure I didn't do too much ministry. But what I realized later as I matured in this is that the reason for that advice is if I'm giving myself too much to things that the Lord has not asked me to give myself to, then the moment when he needs me to give my time to something else, I don't have any available to give. The second a kid needs me to stop and have a conversation, but I'm too busy going to the next thing, that doesn't happen. Because we, we give too much of our time to things and we think we're doing it for the Lord, but oftentimes we need to stop and ask, did the Lord tell me to do this? The answer is no. Then you need to ask Him, okay, Lord, do I need to pull back? Because we give too much of our time. Another thing that's scary is our finances. There, there are so many, and, and Sarah and I for so long lived paycheck to paycheck. And if the Lord asked us to give, that was scary. Because it's like, I don't, if I give, I don't have anything left for these things that we need. 
but who knows where this is going. If your good, if your imperfect parents can give you good things, what more will your perfect Father in heaven do for you? If the birds of the air do not go without, how much more valuable are you to him than the birds? A lot more. He didn't send his son to die for birds. He sent him to die for you. All right, so we have a hard time giving these things because these things in our world are given a lot of importance. And he asks us to give those very things that we struggle, that we have concern to give. And why, again, why do we have concern giving these things? Because to give them to him is to leave comfort. If he asks you for your next paycheck or to volunteer, uh, volunteer, volunteer instead of go home and relax, we, we struggle with this. Because why? Because it pulls us out of com- the comfort that we've made, the comfort that we've created. Church, comfort keeps us oftentimes from getting the revelation that we need. Do you, do you understand this? Comfort, the comfort that you create. Because what, what, is, what is one of the Lord's names? The comforter. The comforter. But we, we create comfort through the worldly things as the world defines comfort. We create it for ourselves and we exist only in worldly comfort. And oftentimes that comfort is the very thing that is keeping us from the revelation that we need to the questions that we're asking. So, and because he's a good and perfect father, he knows this. So what does he do? He calls you out of it. He asks you to give the very thing that's keeping you from the revelation that you're seeking. He asks you to give to him your time because if you would step out of the comfort of managing your own schedule and allow him to dictate what your days will look like, if you will just step into that, your revelation will be found that you're seeking, that you're searching for. And church, you cannot step into a miraculous outpouring of the Spirit from the comfort of where you have settled. You cannot, we cannot see a a community look more like the kingdom of heaven than it does a city and a state and a country from the comfort that we have created. That does not happen. It will not happen. We will always be waiting from the comfort of our couch. We cannot be weakened warrior Christians, right? Right off the couch. We can't do this. This cannot be who we are. I, I was having a conversation. I have a, a, a friend. She's starting to do uh, marathons and half marathons and knew that I did a few of them and just asked about what her, that training was like. I'm like, I'm the wrong person to talk to about that. She's like, why? You're strength and conditioning coach. You're, this is what you did. Like, because the two marath- half marathons I did, uh, I got told about them on Friday and I woke up on Saturday and I went and did it <laughs> on the beach in the rain. And there's a reason I don't run to this day. Because that was dumb, and it was not fun, and it was miserable. But this is the kind of model of Christianity that we're kind of expecting the Lord to do the miraculous in. I'm going to sit here comfortable until you call me, and then I'm going to run that race real, real fast, and you're going to do amazing things, and I'm going to go back to my couch. That's not it. What does he say to do with this race? He says, run it with endurance. The race set before you. It is ongoing. You don't have time to check out back into worldly comfort and expect to see the miraculous nature of God manifested before you while you sit in worldly comfort. That is not the nature of God. That is not what you are made for. This is the other thing that's really important for us to see and to understand and to receive. You are not made 
You are not made of this world. You are set apart, sent to this world to transform it, not be transformed by it. We need to understand that better as Christians. This is a question that I, I used to ask my youth kids all the time, but who is influencing who? When you go to a party, when you go to somebody's house, do you become like them or do they become like you? And this is, a, this is something that we need to recognize, church. Who is influencing who? Do I look more like the world or does the world around me look more like the kingdom of God? But we take on too much of the world, we apply it to our stories, and we miss out on the revelation that the Lord has for us. But what does this have to do with Elijah and Elisha? This is, this is just part of the word, and we're getting into it, and, and the revelation that came through this story. And this is really, this is the meat of it. The Lord, church, is looking for a people willing to do the work before they know what they're called to. He is looking for a people that say yes and amen and step in to whatever is before them before they even know what their purpose, what their destiny is in this season, in this time, in this kingdom. What, I don't know what the Lord's going to do, but I'm just going to say yes, I'm going to step into it before they know what they are called to. A people willing to plow the ground, not knowing what the Lord intends to plant behind them, but just willing to move forward into obedience. With what, and all, what is that? All that is, I am willing to be obedient, not knowing when there will be fruit. That's it. I will be obedient. Even if I don't see fruit in my life, I will be obedient. I will plow the ground. I love this example, and it talks about this in, in, in uh, 2 Kings, but when they plowed a ground, what did they have to do? They had this, this tool, and they had this massive beast in front of them just kicking up dirt and kicking mud and, and going to the bathroom and all this stuff as they're just plowing. They were in the thick of it. They were in the dirt. They were, it was not fun. It was not pleasant. It was work. It was hard. It was difficult. It was uncomfortable, but it was necessary. And the Lord is looking for a people who are willing to do what is necessary for fruit to come later. For fruit to come. This is one of my favorite quotes. I've shared this in here several times. But a society grows great when old men plant trees the shade of which they know they'll never sit in. That is when a society grows great. And that is, that, is, that is a law of the kingdom of heaven when a people are willing to step in obedience, recognizing that they may never see what will come from this obedience, but they know someone will. And so I'll step into it nonetheless. I will step into it passion, uh, with passion and with ferocity. I will say yes to the Lord. A people who will leave their comfort in obedience, giving to the Lord that which they know, that, that which they are concerned to give. And through this, church, again, this, is, this was so profound to me when the Lord said this. If we will give what we are concerned to give, you will find yourself plucked and placed exactly where he needs you to be. And in that place, you find, you find uh, revelation, you find blessing, and you find provision. In places that you never thought you could or would be. In places that you never thought were for you, could be for you. Great places, wondrous places. This is one of those places for me, church, I'm talking up here from a position of testimony because this is not a place I ever thought I could or would be. 
And that word could is important. Because what does that imply? It was by my efforts that I would get any success in life. All I did was go to a coffee shop on a Monday morning in Nacogdoches, Texas and say yes. Everything else has been God. Every single thing else has been God. All I did was say yes and step into a mystery, something I was not expecting, something I did not know how to do. I just said yes, I stepped into it. And the Lord has brought me to a place where I have this beautiful wife. I have these three amazing kids. I'm living my dreams through doing a job I said I would never do. I'll never, I could take you to the cafeteria in Galveston, Texas and sit you down in the seat where I said I will never be in ministry. Nope. Not for me. After I had just prophesied over a group of people. I was like, nah, I'm good. I don't want to do this. And here I am. Everything that I said I would not do, the Lord has, has set so much provision and blessing just because Sarah and I said yes. That was it. We didn't do anything else. And I'm not trying to boast us up. I'm just trying to let you know that I'm speaking from a place of testimony so that you don't go into this blind that when you give that which you're concerned to give, that it's not going to work out. I'm telling you right now, when you give to the Lord what he's asked for you to give, everything works out. Blessing beyond blessing beyond blessing. Provision beyond anything that you could imagine. The key, again, is to be one who faithfully serves. Not needing all the answers, not needing the why of things, but just faithfully giving what he has asked. Departing the comfort of our own making and trusting him with our lives. And in this place, again, you will see your limitations part like the sea. The Lord will make a path for you where there was no path. All because you stepped into his ability and left behind your own. His ability to take care of your finances. His ability to bless and protect your time. His ability to elevate and glorify and lead you into wonderful and profound places in this life. And when we say yes, when we leave our comforts behind, when we give him that which concerns us, you will find the ability to do what only he can do flowing through you. Because church, as we read in, in John 5, 19 through 20, your ministry is the impossible. This is your ministry. It is impossible things. That is to be the testimony of your life. It's impossibility. That when people look at you, they see impossible works in your story. There's no way that this person could do this. There's no way on earth. This is not a physically possible thing to happen. There's no way that person's arm can grow back. There's no way that person can be healed of cancer. There's no way the dead can rise. There's no way the sick can be healed. There's no way these are impossible things just because this person said, get up and walk. That's impossible. And that is what you are made for. Because you carry the seal of authenticity and authority of heaven, the Holy Spirit. You are meant to be a vessel which carries him into impossible circumstances that he can make the presence of God and his nature towards those around him known. Through the flowing of the Holy Spirit in and through you. As you step out of comfort and you give him that which he is asking you to give, that which you have concern to give, the ability to do what only he can do will flow through you. 
Church, we must step into faithful obedience. We must give to him what worries us to give up. We must give to him that which we are worried to lose control over. And that, again, church, this is a promise from the Lord. That will be the key that he uses to unlock your destiny, to unlock purpose, to unlock revelation. As you faithfully serve in obedience, you will find yourself anointed with a double portion. And I'm asking that you would believe it, that you would proclaim it, and that you'll step into it today. We've been talking about how the enemy is shouting, how he's trying to give us get us to give up ground. He's trying to get us to move back and to stop moving forward because he knows if we continue to move forward, uh, he's defeated. He stands no chance if we continue to move forward. And he's been trying to do it. I told you, I told you that fall festival was going to be a struggle. And every time we continue to move forward, the Lord made a way where there was no way. And we're thinking, and we're talking yesterday, and I've, I've, you need to know, I have this amazing group of people that have surrounded me and helping me and, and, and working on these events and just establishing these things that just go out, go above and beyond, do more than what is asked of them to do. And that's really what's necessary for ministry. You need a people who are willing to do more than you asked. That's ministry 101. Um, and, and so we're t- I'm talking with this group of people that have put Fall Festival together, like, okay, we got to move this. And we start talking about this turkey trot on the 12th. And all of a sudden, it's like this event just got cooler. Like all of a sudden, this just got better because we gave the Lord control over it. We said, we're, we're, we're just, the Fall Festival only exists because we desire to bless this community. That's it. We want to serve them. We want to honor them. We want to love on them, period. We want to give them a treat. We want to make them feel significant. We want to make them feel loved. And we want them to know that Sundown Church is for them and not against them. Period. And not just Sundown Church, but City Council, Chamber of Commerce, uh, the Fire Department, Police Department. We want this city to know that all of these entities are for them and not against them. That's the whole reason why this exists. That's it. And so who said it had to be done a Sunday before Halloween? We did. But then all of a sudden the Lord points this out. And what could we have done yesterday? Canceled the event and just discouraged. Just Guess we won't have it. And I, I was there because I didn't know about the turkey trot. I just thought, there's no way. We can't do this again. We can't reschedule it because there's just, there's not enough time. There's too much going on. We got, st- our kids are too successful, which is sometimes super annoying. There's just state trips after state trips after state trips. We're trying to work some stuff in, but we can't because they're just too busy. They're just taking over Texas. This is what they do. And the, and this idea gets presented and all of a sudden this is better and all of a sudden what? The enemy has lost territory again. Somewhere where he thought he was going to regain ground because we were going to step back, get upset, get discouraged. Now I'm more excited. This is going to be more fun. This is going to be bigger than it's ever been before like we've wanted. And the reason I'm sharing this with you, church, is that it is that easy that when we say yes to what the Lord has, when we give him our time, we give him control, we give him the, the authority uh, to do what he needs to do in our story, and we just faithfully step into it and allow him to tell us what our days are to look like, allow him to dictate what a circumstance really is, when we just allow him to do these things, not only is it easier, but it's way better than anything you could have created or anticipated for yourself. So, Give him 
what he's asking you to give. Give him that thing that concerns you. Give him that and be willing to be one. As Elisha was, that's, that works, the gift that he was to receive, the double portion, the double anointing uh, that he was to receive uh, when Elijah was taken from him could only happen if he did what? If he saw him, if he stayed with him and saw what the Lord was doing. And every time he told him to leave, what did he do? No, I'm staying with you. He did the work. He continued to stay where he needed to be, no matter how uncomfortable, no matter how difficult, no matter how annoying, because he's got 50 men. They're like, hey, you know he's going to get taken out. He's like, yes, I know. Shut up. Be quiet. Stop it. I know. And he's standing in this. If we will be a people who are willing to plow the field, knowing that the Lord will come behind us and plant it, but it may not come behind me immediately to plant it. If we will be a people who are willing to plant our roots Keep our roots rooted in the streams of living water, knowing that fruit will always be born in its season when the Lord has said that it's time for there to be fruit. If we will be a people who trust in that process, say yes to that process, the world will change. I don't know what you'll see of it. I can't guarantee any of that. But I can guarantee that the world will be forever different because you stayed rooted and who the Lord was, and who He said you are, and that you were willing to do the work, though you may not see the fruit, and you are willing to give Him all that He ever asked for you to give, trusting that He will bless you beyond anything that you could understand, measure, or create for yourself. And I'm telling you right now, we may see it in our, and I believe that we'll see it here on this side of heaven, but even if we don't, even if we see it on the other side of heaven, we will see a city called Sundown, Texas, that looks more like the kingdom than it does a city and a state and a country. If we are willing to step into all that the Lord is asking us to step into now. Can we be these people who faithfully give all that He asks us to give, trusting that He will bless us tenfold beyond anything that we can measure? Can we be a people who do a work no matter the personal cost, no matter the difficulty, but we step into this work, though it may be uncomfortable, but we just don't care. We're willing to serve the Lord until He places us somewhere else, until He picks us up and elevates us. I will be in the fields plowing the field, behind the beasts, if this is what the Lord requires of us. No glory in it, but there will be glory one day because we were the ones that plowed the field. When the Lord asks, can we be those people? This is my prayer. Church, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for sundown. I'm very excited for sundown. I'm very excited for sundown because it seems like each and every day the enemy just gets louder. And if he's getting louder, that means he's getting more and more threatened and he is getting less and less territory. He is just getting loud and loud and loud and loud and he is trying to distract. He's trying to get us to give up ground, to move backwards, to, to lose a step, and that will not happen in Jesus' name. There is going to be profound blessing. There's going to be profound breakthrough because we are a people of great faith. Amen? And we will remain a people of great faith. Give Him what He's asking you for and be willing to do the work that no one else is willing to do. Be willing to step into the difficult things and allow the Lord to pluck you and place you where you're meant to be. Amen? Mm-hmm.